Welcome to the 260th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. We are playing it. We'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on November 24th, 2021. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the man who's already preheating the oven for his turkey, Carlos Rodella. Well, I'm preheating the oven for my dinner tonight. That's what I'm doing. Is it turkey? No, it's just like, yeah, it's not. <laughs> well, you know, uh, the holiday is coming up, and I'm not going to say that we celebrate Thanksgiving because of lots of reasons. I, you know, it's funny. We, um, I was thinking about this the other day. Growing up, I celebrated Thanksgiving, as I'm sure probably many, many Americans did. But we don't really celebrate that in this house anymore because of, you know, the 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 tainted history of it. Right. Like the the injustices done to the indigenous population. I mean, I'm sure you feel me on this one, mm. but we still like to get together. Right. Like it's just in, in my house. I don't know about you, dude, but we have kind of morphed it into just not a celebration of anything like that. It's just like, hey, it's November. We're going to get together. That kind of a thing. You know, like we've removed at least I think it's OK. We've removed the questionable bits. And just kept like the turkey and the friends. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Being indigenous myself, um, obviously have lots of problems with the idea and the history around uh, the totally, day. Totally. But at the same time, again, we just take uh, elements as humans and uh, make them our own, right? And so the idea of getting family together, friends together, that's great. Like, that's just good anyhow. Um, so, yeah. But me, myself, I'm probably not doing anything particularly uh, for this Thanksgiving, but... I do like that idea of, yeah, having another day that just, it's an excuse to get together and break the bread with somebody. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we're not doing anything this year either just because of COVID still. And, you know, a couple of people in my family were not doing too well, like for, uh, for medical reasons and stuff like that. So nobody's going anywhere and we probably wouldn't do it anyway because COVID is still a thing. Uh, but yeah, we've had many discussions with my son about, you know, Thanksgiving, what, what does it mean? What did it used to represent? You know, we kind of have abandoned that, but we still keep the concept of like togetherness gathering reconnection sharing a meal like you said breaking bread is a good phrase so uh yeah i mean it's good to talk about that stuff with your kids if you're listening to the show and you have kids maybe bring up the subject with them because if you're still listening after 260 episodes you're probably on the same page as me and carlos here yeah so you probably think the same way that we do about stuff like this so it's a good time to have a conversation about that stuff yeah and again um i mean we 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 shouldn't have to have days to do certain things that are awesome but agreed, agreed. A lot of people uh, just, you know, there's a habit and stuff like that, and people want that. Um, so, like, same thing with Christmas. Like, what is that? What does that mean to you? And and what's the original meaning? And how many other original meanings were, were there? Um, but it's really great to have a time near, you know, the fall, uh, similar to a lot of other uh, traditions of like the the harvest kind of fall, you know, um, seasonal things. And we're about to change years and stuff like that. It's nice to have time to, again, reflect and spend time with people. And who doesn't like gifts? I mean, come on. Just have gift day. Be like, I don't know, every other Thursday. Come on. Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, enough of this holiday chatter. Let's move on. Um, I mean, I got some plenty of games to talk about. I think you got some games to talk about. But before we get to that, let's do the usual. Everybody listening to the show knows that you and I share a virtual living space split down the middle with a strip of duct tape. We call it housekeeping, folks. I actually have a couple tiny things this week. I usually don't have any, but I got a couple. Carlos, what do you got on your side of the of the living room here? Well, before we even get into the house, at the door, if, I don't know if you noticed, I decorated the door. 
because <laughs> I the, see some kind of decoration. What is it specifically? Yeah, there's like tinsel. There's stuff from Thanksgiving and Christmas. Because, like I said, you know, let's just make it any crazy day. Um, no, and there's uh, these huge numbers. I don't know if you know the numbers. Um, the, they're at the top of the door. If you can see them, uh, there's actually only well, there's one number at the top it of the door. It looks to me like a, like a six nine four two no, zero. No, 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 no. It's no, one, it's no. one number. I, I misspoke. It's one number. It's above the door. It's less than five. It's you two. Got me, man. It's, it's two, two because it's our two year anniversary in October, and we missed it. Is it really? Or it was? It was our two year anniversary, and meaning me and you on the show at the same time. Like before, uh, it wasn't. It was Corey. So like, yeah, in October was the first time we did a show. Oh, interesting. I had no idea. Huh. Of two thousand nineteen. How did you realize that? Because you had it marked on a calendar. Well, I was going through SoundCloud for. I don't know, podcast promotion reasons or something. And I went back to, I had to find like what our first episode was for something. And so then I just went back through SoundCloud and like listened to you because you always say the date at the very beginning. I do. And it was your, it was the one that said like, Hey, here's a new podcast host. And you're like, it's October 12th or something, 2019. Oh, wow. Interesting. I had no idea. Yeah, Literally so, no idea. There we go. We didn't celebrate it at all, but it's a thing. Let's celebrate it right now. Woo! Hey! Woo! Hey! Yeah. All right. Now I'll take okay, this stuff don't. off the door, and well, I'll clean that up later. Let's move on with our lives. Um, into actual housekeeping. Uh, so there's a, the Game Awards uh, nominations happened. Ugh, whatever. I know. We could just say whatever, but I have a couple things about it. One, uh, a friend of the show at this point, Gaming in the Wild, uh, did a tweet about 12 Minutes. And he says, I'm still puzzled over how this toxic, divisive, and generally rubbish game got a Best Indie Game nomination at the Game Awards. Um, I agreed with him and went on that thread for a little while. And then we found out the developers uh, read that. Well, nice. Good. Which is, they you should. know, I know you I know you would like that. It's the magic of Twitter because that always happens. You talk shit about anybody, guaranteed they're going to see it the next day. Right. Every single time. So besides them and whatever the feelings were about it, because I still stand by that. I don't I don't like that game. Did they say anything? Did they jump into the thread? They did, but I didn't watch it. Uh, I, I didn't go and see what they said, but <laughs> he had told me that they did. So I got to go track that down. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. But I bring it up because that is a weird nomination, not just for those reasons, but in general, because there's so many good indie games that came out this year. And I know that the process is weird. Basically, a bunch of people just send in votes on what, you know, games they want to nominate. So it's not like a secret cabal, a conspiracy theory thing. But it is weird because I think they miss a lot of good games. And then if you look at the actual games for like game of the year, I'm just yeah. I'm looking at them right now. First off, okay. Deathloop is in there, which we we talked about on the show very little, if at all. And it's I'd either like either one of our jams, yeah. It's either one of our jams, but not even just that. It's like I don't, I didn't hear like huge things about it. I heard divisiveness about It Takes Two. That's on there. Oh God, I can't believe It Takes Two got nominated. I I saw that. I was like, forget it. I'm completely just noping out of this because that game has some great mechanics, but like there is so much that is incredibly problematic in the script. I know. I just was. I was. I was oh, cringing so hard. I know. We talk about it in the show, and then Metroid Dread. A lot of people had problems with that. It was yeah, very... a lot of people not too hot on that one. Yeah, and then Psychonauts Two's on there, which I love, but it just feels like such a weird list because, again, it's a great game, but like, I don't know. I, I, and anyways, in Ratchet and Clank and Resident Evil Village, it just seems like a lame lineup. And then I went to the next category, which was 
best game direction. And again, Deathloop, it takes two again. Like, yeah, uh, it just seems weird. And Returnal's on there, which is like, again, another divisive <sighs> game. Incredibly divisive game. Yeah, you know, it feels like they just took like, like they just really quickly skimmed Twitter and looked for like the top 10, like just most recognizable names and didn't really do any digging. Like there weren't, I mean, I didn't go through the whole list of everything that was nominated, but like when I looked at the game of year list, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I, yeah, I just, I don't agree with very much. And it seems to me like these days, the reason most people tune in is just to see the new trailers because a lot of new trailers get uh, debuted at that show, which I guess is pretty yeah. cool. But well, I, like I just, that. I have, yeah, I have zero investment uh, in the whole like awards process. Okay, well, anyways, and again, I don't, I, I like I said before, I know from people who work on it, um, it isn't just like, you know, a few people like picking games. It's like a ton of votes come in. But even with that said, it's just weird that so many votes came in for these particular games if they won the popular vote, you know. Um, and by well, the way... Well, I mean, like, 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 to that point, though, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but like, you know, in food circles, if you, there's been many times, and not even just one, but many times when people will say, Hey, what's like the best restaurant in America? And you know what fucking wins every goddamn time? Can you guess? McDonald's? McDonald's. It wins every fucking time because it has the biggest reach. It has the most customers and it's like the most approachable, hmm. lowest common denominator. It is one best restaurant in America so many times. And yet I don't think anybody with a working brainstem would say, yes, this is the best restaurant in America. So well, okay, I kind but... of like I kind of parlay that into these kind of awards. I get that logic, but it's just so weird because as I scroll to the next topic and we won't go through all these, but the next one next one on the game awards is best narrative. And again, is Deathloop and it takes two. Yeah. It's I like mean, can we Deathloop is like a re- reoccurring like roguelike game where the narrative is told slowly. It's not like a narrative based game, I wouldn't say. And anyways, well, I heard a lot of people who actually finished that game who thought it was kind of okay, and then they got to the end and they had some real problems with it. So I question, I question that nomination. I mm. definitely, I absolutely call bullshit on it takes two. So, and by I will say one positive thing because I was going to say where's Guardians of the Galaxy because in my opinion it's one of my favorite games not only of the year but of like forever. I mean, I think that absolutely should have at least got nominated for it best did. narrative. No, no, it did. It did get okay, na- good, good. Yeah, which is so cool. So I did vote for that, and it, I think it got one other nomination. But best narrative, it actually got. So I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Okay, appropriate, appropriate. Uh, and then also, which you would like, uh, the Artful Escape got uh, best art direction, which I think. Oh, is, good. Oh, yeah. good. That's excellent. Yeah. So, anyways, there's some there's some winners there. I just felt like you know some huge games were left left off the list. Uh, even like Tales of Arise, which is an amazing RPG that came out this year. Um, not anywhere. I didn't see it anywhere. And so, yeah, it's just weird. That's all we'll say about the game awards forever, but I will watch them for those trailers because it's fun. Yeah. All right. What else, um, got? What else do I have? Uh, this is not really anything, but there's an article that came out in the PlayStation blog that said horizon forbidden West is going to do some really interesting things with NPCs. Um, did they have an example? Yeah, but I didn't do the homework, so never mind. <laughs> you were so interested, you didn't bother reading the article. It's a link, and I could like look at it during the year. But, but yeah, I think I read some of it. It's just basically like they're creating like um, sections of people, like sections of NPCs that can change, uh, you know, throughout gameplay. Which sure. again, every game developer always says they're doing. Um, yeah. So it's it's proofs in the pudding. So, but I do think that they are at least focusing on doing some interesting things with NPCs and. Hey, I already love that game anyhow, so it's pretty I easy mean, other games me. have tried it. I think it's awesome when you can pull it off, but I haven't seen very many games pull it off successfully. 
Yeah, this is their, I know, I agree. This is their quote. Ultimately, our goal is to make sure NPCs feel connected to where they live. And we work closely with other internal teams, such as Narrative Quest and Environment, to make sure that every location feels authentic. So it's more like the NPCs will actually care about the location they're in instead of just being like, you know, guard number one. Right, exactly. So that's interesting. Um, This is also interesting. Uh, There is a Yakuza, Shenmue, and Sonic colognes coming out. Did you say cologne? I sure did. Wow. What does Sonic the Hedgehog smell like? Uh, Citrusy and fruity. (laughs) I was going to say like burning sneaker rubber. I know. It should just be fire. Yeah, because he's like so fast. Um, Anyway, and Yakuza. Yakuza actually makes sense because you could could see like a very lots of cologne on those guys. Oh, yeah. Those dudes all probably smell fabulous. Like, you know, they got the suits and they put a lot of money into their appearance. I would guess those guys smell pretty good. I bet you that's the one that sells the best, too. We'll see. We'll see. Anyways, I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm not going to buy any of it, but I'm curious. I know. I I feel like buying it from a friend just for a joke. Um, Obviously, the whole Bobby Kotek thing, just our, we've already talked about it, but he should be let go, fired, fuck that guy. But I think it was really interesting that Phil Spencer and somebody at the head of Sony was like, fuck that guy as well, which is cool. Good. I don't know Excellent. if you heard that, but they were—they both were like, "No, get rid of him." And I was like, "Oh, anybody, nice. anybody with a decent soul should say fuck that guy." Yeah, uh, there was a leak, by the way, that Dragon's Dogma Two is coming out, uh, which I didn't know was a thing. I mean, I don't know. They've been talking about that on and off for like decades. I feel like by this point, so I don't know how to feel about that. I'll see it when I see it. You'll see it when you see it. But I'm just excited because I love that game. Uh, and then I have a couple more things. Do you want to go over to your side first and then I can finish? No, up? no, keep going on your thing. Okay. Keep going on your thing. Um, but, 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 but games coming out the same day is a thing. I know what that meant. I sometimes write these in a feverish state, you know, I'm not going to lie. I don't know where all these boxes are. They're labeled incorrectly. <laughs> You're like lucid dreaming. Yeah. Oh, this is funny. Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, um, I've never really been a Pokemon person, but it's always interesting that they try to sell two versions of the game all the time. So sure. someone uh, got the ROM of both those games because, you know, the internet. And they looked at it, and they're the same game, the exact same game, not because they're slightly different. There's just a flag turned on and off between the two ROMs. Oh, sure. Like, it just activates, you know, 20 different Pokemon between each yeah. version, right? Yeah. But isn't yeah, that interesting exactly. it's just that, that it's literally the same data? So. Doesn't surprise me at all, man. Okay. I've always thought that selling the two versions was kind of a racket, and this is just proof positive. Yeah. Well, there you go. And last thing, but not least, although there's something here that's scribbled, and I'll have to look at that box later. Maybe I'll get it for the end of the show. Uh, I was excited to try that um, Legend of the Rune King game. Did you see that? No. You say Rune King? Is Ruined, that, the, is that one of the King? Uh, League of Legends spinoffs? Yes, that's what it is. Yeah, Rune okay. King, a League of Legends story. And I was like, oh. And they're like, it's a popcorn RPG. And get into it. And I'm like dying for an RPG over here. But then I find out it's the developers who worked on Battle Chasers. And it's essentially just Battle Chasers. Oh, they just kind of reskinned it? Reskinned sort of? it with the lore of like a Leg- League of Legends. And I don't care about League of Legends. So. No, I don't either. Yeah. So that, that's my sad ending to my housekeeping is I still don't have an RPG to play. And I'm sad. Oh, I'm so surprised, dude. I've been waiting this whole time for you to bring up the Xbox Museum. I thought for sure you were going to bring it up. Oh, what? You didn't. <laughs> you didn't see the Xbox Museum thing that came out today? Oh, where? There was a tw- there's a tweet that came out. 
uh, I retweeted it. If you go back to my timeline, um, Xbox.com or whatever put out a fancy thing. It's totally your jam, dude. I thought I thought for sure you're going to talk about it. Where you you log in uh, to the website and it goes back with your history all the way as far back as you go. Now it's not perfect because I did have an Xbox, the original Xbox, and for some reason it didn't have any history there. So maybe I never took it online. I feel like that's kind of hard to believe, but it's possible. But like it goes back to like all the Xbox or excuse me, all the Microsoft consoles you've owned. It shows you like what was your very ever first achievement? What was the very first game you finished? What what is the historical game you spent the most time with on a Microsoft system? Like it has all these little it's like that year end thing that they send out that email, oh, yeah. but it's like the for the entire is. history of of Xbox as a thing. So I went into it. You like walk around a little 3D virtual space and there's little little quote unquote virtual exhibits you can check out and see your stats. I, I wrote down my stats because I'm like, oh, Carlos is totally going to talk about this. I'm going to get ready because he's going to call me out. I'm not going to be ready, but I will be ready this time. And actually, you're not ready. I'm so not was... ready. Oh, my goodness. I'm pretty excited. But wait, why is this in, in conjunction with me talking about RPGs? It's not at all. I just thought because you were wrapping up your housekeeping. Oh. And I, I was waiting and waiting and waiting. For you to bring up the Xbox Museum, I thought for sure. And I did So, didn't. like, for example, and you didn't do it. But, for example, so I, I spent a few minutes with it today. Um, and, like, it gives you, like, how many games total have you played on Microsoft Systems. For me, a total of 921 different games. I don't know if that's a lot or a little. Probably, I'm guessing maybe more than the average, perhaps. Or maybe not. I don't know. Um, uh, how many achievements have I got? I got 4,483 achievements. I'm sure that's low because I don't give a shit about achievements. Um, my gamer score is also, I bet it very low, is uh, 12,731. So that's starting with Xbox, you know, as soon as it, uh, achievements and gamer score were a thing up until now, cumulative, right? Uh, I'm be I bet that's very little compared to most people. They give you the list of games that you have played on the systems. The most popular ones for me uh, per year were Black Book, Wasteland 3, Astroneer, uh, Subnautica and Recore, and my number one most played game of all time on an Xbox system, Dark Souls 2. That's Whoa, the one I put the most sense. time into. Uh, other most popular games I played, Coldcept Saga, which is a marvelous game. Oh, that yeah, that's that, like a, a Mario Party game. It's kind of like a Mario Party slash Monopoly slash Magic the Gathering sort of thing. It's a wonderful game. Uh, also, Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas were both very high on the most hours played list. So those are just a real quick smattering of stats. There's tons of stats there, more than I wrote down. There's tons of other stuff you can look at. So I guess I don't know what the URL is, but I guess if you just type in Xbox Museum, you'll it'll probably come up for you pretty quick. You can log in and find out your own personal stats. No, I'm on it right now <laughs> as, as I was listening to your stats. I'm just trying to see how to mute this, the, the web page because it's loud. It has like music on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, but it is pretty easy to get the stats, so maybe I'll get them throughout the show, and I can tell you at the end. All right, cool. Sounds good. Sounds but that's good. so All cool. Right. Yeah, I, I was almost like excited that it was going to be um, a like RPG that you were talking about because you're like, oh, and there's RPGs in there or something. No, no, sorry to fake you out. I just, I just, I thought for sure you were going to see this before I did because you're the one that always brings like the news tidbits and the new, you know, the hottest things, the latest things. I'm always the I one do. I scooped you this time. I don't know how that happened. Oh, you do have to. Okay, so I'm just real quick. I am running around it real quick because you have to run around in actual virtual space. Yeah, like your little avatar running around like this virtual museum area. Yeah, it's not just like stats. It's like you're like in the thing. Oh, well, I'm in it right now. It says the first time I logged in was 2008. Is that Does when that you when right did you too? log in? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I didn't write that down. I want to say it was 2006, but I could be mistaken. It says uh, the first game I played on my 360 was 3d ultra mini golf adventures. 
<laughs> that's very Carlos. Very Carlos indeed. Very Carlos. Okay, indeed. I just wanted to see if I could find the the games. What was the one you said? The games played. How many games played? Yeah, total games played. I think I was at nine twenty one. Uh, it doesn't. I thought is it the? I thought it'd be right in the beginning. Okay, never yeah, mind. Yeah, it was in the very. This is yeah, great for up. a podcast. Keep looking around. I'll keep looking. Uh, let me move on to my other housekeeping business yes. really quickly. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my wife, who is fucking amazing. Uh, not only is she like the best friend and best partner a person could ever hope for. Um, I just, I just really appreciate uh, who she is and how wonderful she is. And I'll give you a concrete example of that. I mean, she's wonderful in a thousand different ways, right? But like today, we're sitting here at home. This is probably the first day that she and I have both had a fairly large chunk of the day where neither one of us had to work because you know it's kind of the holidays. Things are kind of slowing down. Uh, her, a lot of people were off at her, her work, so she didn't have to attend a lot of stuff and I didn't have anything going today. So we're sitting on the couch, just, you know, having a moment together. And I'm like, oh man, I would love like some oatmeal raisin cookies. I'm like, I'm like, would you mind making some for me? And she's like, you know what? Yes, I will. And she just like got up and we went to the kitchen and we made cookies together. Like she just nice. jumped up and, and she made the, like the most fucking badass oatmeal raisin cookies. I know, I know raisins are like hot or cold. Some people love them. Some people don't. I love them. And she doesn't, um, but she made them for me and cooked them exactly right. Like the cookies were warm, crumbly, mm. but not too crumbly, soft, but not too soft. The raisins were just like a touch of burnedness on the top, which kind of like gives them the slightly bitter edge to them, which I think is totally delicious. I mean, it was like perfect. So I just really appreciate that she like was like, yes, I'll make you cookies for no other reason than you asked me to. And I was in the kitchen helping her too. And we were kind of doing it together, kind of a fun little couples thing. So. I just really, I love her a lot and I think she's wonderful and it's just, I, I really appreciate what I have, you know, like I see some people who take their friends or their partners for granted and, and don't really thank them or don't really, you know, really, really understand what they have on their hands. And I, I do, you know, I really do. I've had some bad relationships. I've had some terrible relationships in the past. Uh, and, and I have a very good perspective on who I'm with now and I'm very grateful and thankful. So shout out to my wife, not just because of the cookies, but uh, I do love the cookies a lot. <laughs> yeah, it helps. Uh, but shout it helps. Out to the wife. It helps. It helps. It's like a plus one for the cookies. So shout out to shout out significant to others. Uh, not, not much else except to say uh, a whole bunch of new He-Man stuff dropped. I know you guys uh, listen to the show regularly know that I'm kind of back on my He-Man bullshit. I, was a He-Man fan for many, many years, starting in like 82 or 83, whenever he dropped originally. I kind of fell off for a while, uh, just because like life circumstances, got was broke for a while between relationships, and I just didn't have a lot of bandwidth to be collecting toys and shit. Uh, but I'm kind of back on my bullshit now, and it's really a good time to get back in because Netflix has two brand new shows that are uh, featuring He-Man. Um, the one that was uh, probably the most uh, popularized um, a couple months ago was written by Kevin Smith from, uh, you know, from Mallrats or from Clerks or whatever that Kevin Smith. He wrote uh, Revelation, which kind of is a continuation of where the He-Man story left off. Uh, like people die, like it's kind of grim, dark a little bit like it was, you know, I mean, it is cool, uh, but they kind of um, I felt like they needed more episodes. Like I felt they kind of rushed through plot points uh, a little bit for my taste, but it's, it's great to have new He-Man content, which is, which is wonderful. And revelation part two dropped, I think yesterday. Oh, I didn't so know that. So now you can finish the story. Yep. Just came out yesterday. So I'm going to watch that pretty soon. But the other He-Man content that I want to talk about is called He-Man and the masters of the universe. And this one is definitely more aimed at kids, right? Like, so if you look at the pictures of these two series, wildly different art styles, like revelation is like, grim dark gritty you know kind of like looks like uh if a very serious artist was kind of drawing he-man and stuff um but the new one uh this new masters of the universe everybody's short like he-man has these like wildly like muscular arms and kind of a small head and everybody's got like these kind of like 
anime-ish sort of like um, proportions. Colors are like super bright. And I, I got to be honest with you. The first time I saw it, I was like, yuck, that looks horrible. I don't like the way this looks. And it's clearly aimed at kids, whereas Revelation is aimed at like the older, the older OG He-Man people like me. So I didn't give it a shot. I just like, fuck it. I'm not going to watch this. This is like trash. But I heard some people in He-Man circles saying, no, 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 you got to give it a try. Don't be so narrow minded. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I love He-Man in general. I got to give this at least a try just to see because I like to support the IP and new He-Man stuff is always great. So I started watching it. And you know what? It's actually really fucking good. Oh, I was good. so surprised. I mean, the art style is still a little bit to get over because it does look very CG cartoony, like a little bit too much for my taste. Yeah, I, that can get weird. I, it gets a little bit weird, but like the writing is really good. We've laughed out loud many times. They take a lot of the old He-Man stuff and just completely like remix all the mythology. Characters have new backstories. Like they have new motivations. Like the the dynamic between characters is brand new. Like it's like it's just like a whole brand new thing. Like it's all like starting fresh. So I gotta say it's actually pretty fucking good. And once I got past the CGness of it, I really like it a lot. So I definitely want to give a shout out to that one as well. That's very interesting you bring that up because I had a very similar experience where I started Blade Runner. Um, I started saying Black Lotus, which is what the uh, no, subtitle is. It's Blade Runner, Black no, uh, Black Lotus, I believe. This is an animated one? Yeah, it's a CG as well. And I bring it up because it's actually very similar. I was like, oh, I don't... Like, I thought from the trailers that I like it because it's pretty dark and seedy looking. But then when you actually start watching it, it's like super like uh what's the word polished cg at times mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's not as like gritty and realistic uh a little too slick and clean yeah it's a little too clean basically and then i was like okay i'm gonna nope out but i let it go and even though it's a little i guess is the best way to explain it benign and it's not as like dark as i thought it might be it's still like a good watch so I highly recommend that as well. It's um it's out right now on Crunchyroll, and I think you can get a couple episodes for free. Uh, just go to the website of it. But All so right, both right two things to check out there. Yeah, absolutely. Check those things out. Uh, and quick, just real, real quick shout out. Um, I was seeing lots of people say that if you like Squid Game, you should check out Hellbound. It's a new uh, oh yeah, it just series. came out. Yep. Yeah, it just came out from the director of Train to Busan, which was amazing. I love that movie. We started watching hellbound uh yesterday i think we're like two episodes in first episode kind of slow but it really oh man episode two was like a fucking gut punch yeah. i got like physically sick watching it it's not at all like squid game but it is like the same sort of like lots of drama you're kind of on the edge of your seat a little bit crazy shit happening so i think it's it's pretty good so far we're gonna we're gonna see how it goes like an alice in borderland kind of thing it's, yeah, it's 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 weird. It's weird, man. Well, here's the thing. I was going to say, I already know the answer, but I don't think I'm going to watch it because even though I like the director, I just don't, I'm not in that mood for like super horry or like yeah. grossy things. And I know that that's going to happen throughout that. So um, I'm going to probably pass. But yeah. for someone who's ready for that, they can check it out. And there you go. Now, now be, you know it exists. There it, it exists. Uh, before we leave housekeeping, I looked up finally um, the games I played. It says 473. What was your number? 921. Jeez. I think essentially that's that thing. I'm not a Sony pony, but I've definitely played more PlayStation in my life. Uh, that makes perfect sense. You know, I would be very curious um, to see a lifelong. I wonder if Sony keeps those stats between. I mean, gosh, what was the first time that you went online with a Sony system? Was it PS2? PS2 went online. Did PS2 go online? I mean, PS1? Was there some PS3, stuff to download? PS3, probably. 
PS3? I don't know. We have to no. Wasn't there an Ethernet port in PS2? I think there was. Yeah, but I don't think I, I don't used know. it. I don't, know. I don't think I used it. PS2 sounds like that's Maybe the system I played tons of CDs on. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like I straight up never downloaded a game for PlayStation right, 2. Right. Um, well, I did be... download games for PS3 though, I believe. I'd be very curious to see how that went. So I, you know, to compare, I bet anything. I mean, nine nine twenty one on on Microsoft systems seems like a lot, but I bet you it's way more on Sony for me as well because I most of the time stayed on Sony systems. So let me oh, uh, let's, let's take that offline because I want to kind of do a. It would be fun to do a whole segment on just like our gaming history uh, because again, I love you're you're right. I'm a sucker for these things like the museum stuff. So I will go through the rest of that and also try to find and compile some stuff for PlayStation, um, and then we could talk about that in another episode. By the way, the top genre. Guess what the top genre is? For you? Yeah, for my Xbox experience. Uh, I don't know. Action RPG? Well, RPG. RPG, sure. And most played game of all time on uh, Xbox systems? Gosh, I don't know. Is it is it Oblivion? Uh, close. It's Skyrim. Oh, it's very close. Yeah, very, very close. close. All right, let's move on to games of today and not from 20 years ago. Games of today. Exactly so. All right, man. Um, now that housekeeping is out of the way, let's look at what we've got on deck. All right. You are up first with a game called Deer Simulator, but there's like multiple E's in it. It's like three or four E's, like Deer, Deer. Simulator. Um, I don't know anything about this, but I will say the trailer looked fucking wild. Like it was like, I don't even, you know, in, in the same way that Goat Simulator was really wild in the name suggests something very quiet and pastoral, uh, but actually was like wall to wall bizarreness and bonkers. I think deer simulator is the same where you are not just a deer in the woods. Like you've, you've got guns and it seems like there's vehicles in an open world or something. I, I mean, the trailer was crazy and it made me want to play it. I have not touched it yet, uh, but you put some time into it. So tell us uh, about deer simulator. Deer simulator. And what's the other game that we just played recently? Gosh, damn, I'm going to forget it. It was like just Goat die Simulator. Already? Oh, just die yeah. already. Yeah, good. good just good, die good already. From, yeah. yeah. Some of the Goat Simulator people team went. Not all of them, but some of them did just die already, and that game's garbage. But it is garbage. Uh, but this is very similar. So Deer Simulator is so similar to Goat Simulator and Just Die Already. It's this idea of like a sandbox. All crazy stuff happens. Um, physics is bad on purpose, and that's funny. Um, for some reason, that's always been lost on me. Even in Goat Simulator, I thought it was interesting, and I liked that it was buggy uh, and you know all broken or whatever. Uh, and they, again, it was the first of its kind that did that. Like okay it, with it, you know, it was like yeah, right, it's kind right. of a feature. But after you do it once, it's kind of rinse and repeat. And there was other multiple things wrong with Just Die already, but this one, it, it's it's harmless. It's fun. It's I just went to Game Pass. We had gotten the code, I guess, for Steam, but. Uh, it's on Game Pass, I think, now. Oh, already. I didn't realize it was on Game Pass. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, I think it's jumped over there already. So I uh, checked it out there as well uh, for the console controls. But yeah, the whole thing in general is you... Well, here's the funnest part. And it's a spoiler. So there's a minor spoiler for Deer Simulator. But oh, you're not actually a deer? No, you're a deer. Yeah, you're a deer. Oh, okay, okay. But it's so fun that I have to talk about it on a podcast because where else am I going to talk about it? At the beginning of the game, you create a character, like a regular guy or girl... Like a human? Human character. And the menu, I tweeted out the menu. It's so intense. It's like jaw movement to the left, jaw movement to the right. Like anything you could think of on a face, you could change. And I'm like, really? For this game? I thought it was a deer. Why am I doing this? So you, just, you spend time, and I'm an idiot. I spent time doing it. Because I'm an idiot. 
let me guess as soon as you start playing you don't use that avatar ever at all no as soon as you start playing the avatar shows up in a cutscene, and you're like oh cool i made a character and he runs to save a deer and he dies <laughs> he straight up he or she dies in the beginning of the cutscene, and so you did that for no reason so uh funny you got me you got me developer uh and then he uh, saves the deer and then that's who you start the game as that totally reminds me of like any of the Dark Souls games where you can start by customizing your character for like 10 hours. And then when the game begins, you're a corpse and you just look like a skeleton. Right. That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> it is like that. Well, anyways, this game is, again, hokiness. Uh, you run around. There's a, um, you know, the, the buttons are jump and sprint. But when you sprint, you stand up on your hind legs and run around like a human. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, which it looks fun every time. Um, you know, the graphics glitch out all the time. It's supposed to be, it has a Katamari Damacy feel also because of the, the polygon graphics. Um, and when you get in things like I, I found a, a monorail car and you can ride like tons of vehicles and I got in the monorail car and it just rolled around like a ball. Like it had no physics or gravity. It didn't make any sense. Mm, and it just mm. would smash things and it was just fun, but it felt like I was rolling around a Katamari Damacy, you know, game section. Um, and then it jumped out and there, again, there's kind of some gravity. You can do things like emotes. So when you see the NPCs in the world, you can like say hello to them and they say hi back, but then you can turn them into a deer person and they follow you for reasons. I don't know why, but they just follow you everywhere. And then you can also dance with them. And I did all those things and it's just ridiculous. And there's like achievements and it's also like Grand Theft Auto because if you cause too much, um, damage in the city then cops come after you and there's like three or four levels of cops and the first level of cop is sheep because reasons sure second level of cop (laughs) is a polar bear but he's got like a siren on his back it's just ridiculous is there a storyline are there quests or is it just like totally like open just screw around sort of yeah if if there was a quest i didn't see it and i played it for a while it's just madness it's just like okay go in have some fun it's ridiculous. I can't see people staying with this game a long time because it just feels like you get it, you know, pretty quickly. Um, but I did find a couple of secret items. Like, so there's there's one mechanic that I like, which is you s- extend your neck, which is, again, is very similar to Goat Simulator. And when you extend it, it's like a grappling hook. So you can, like, you know, aim it somewhere and then, like, it'll pull you up. And then when it pulls you up, you can use physics to, like, let go of it and fling your body, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I get you for sure. And so you can get to locations that you you know hard to get to. So I went up somewhere on some you know huge tower somewhere and got a laser gun, and so the laser gun affixed to my head, and now was shooting lasers out of my head. Um, yeah, that's the game. You know, <laughs> it's it's a game, and it's, it's a like, game you can play. It's a game you can play. It's those things you can do. It's no reason not to play it on Game Pass. Uh, it's not bad. It's fun. There's some funny moments. Um, and that's it. And things also have destructibility, which is interesting. I don't know if those other ones had that. Well, that sounds all right. You know, um, this is not exactly my kind of jam, but my son who is 12 now, uh, I mean, he played goat simulator for like hundreds of hours. He did like literally everything, got all the achievements, unlocked everything. And he thought that was just like the most fun thing ever. So, you know, I guess if you're in that demographic, maybe this is something to check out because you probably have, uh, you know, rinsed and repeated all you're going to do at a goat simulator. So maybe it's time to move up 
to uh, to deer simulator instead. Go up to a larger animal and see if there's more fun to be had there. Right. Oh, here's the here's the other thing that's very fun. Um, again, they're all just for like one moment. You go, aha, that's funny. You know, at some point you can ride a horse. You're a deer. A deer riding a horse. Deer riding a horse is funny. It's like they're all setups to jokes, but no punchlines. <laughs> You know, it's like the absurdity of the doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then even just a horse when I mean, when the deer gets into a certain vehicle, he turns into a a mounted horse head. I mean, I say horse again, a mounted deer head. Like, you know, after you kill a deer and you put it on the wall. Is that so he can fit inside the car? Yeah, it's just like that. That's how he rides in it. I'm like, gotcha. That's pretty morbid. But um, that's the game. There's there's tons of achievements. Uh, I found video game arcade games in there and there weren't games. They were, ugh, this doesn't make any sense. They were the ability to turn off the cops. Like, you know, it was like a settings kind of thing. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, and yeah, anyways. And the other thing I like doing is when you take NPCs and like, I don't know, you can attack them. So you attack them with your little deer hoofs and they're knocked out. You can like pick them up and throw them. And I was like, that's pretty fun. Always but, a good time. All right. Always a good time. You cool. can tell from my review. It's like, it's fun. If you like these kind of games, it sounds like it's another good one of those. Yep. Uh, but I think it, you know, these appeal to a very specific kind of player. Like my 12 year old son can't get enough for me. Maybe not my jam. But if you like Goat Simulator, it sounds like this is something to check out. I had fun with it when I played it and I might not play it again. All right. Moving on. Let me talk really quickly about a couple games here. First one is called Undungeon. It's all one word. Undungeon. Uh, this one, I gotta be honest, I didn't spend a lot of time with. I heard it was kind of an action-y roguelike, and I was in the mood for something just a little bite-sized. Uh, but this one did not click with me in any way. Um, it's a top-down, kind of an isometric pixel art sort of a thing. You, I mean, the story is kind of confusing. There is a lot of story, but I can't say that I understood very much of it. They, they throw a lot of terms, a lot of names at you, a lot of things that you just don't really have a lot of context for. Uh, probably my least favorite way to like approach a game. I hate it when developers do that. Uh, it is just not my thing. Like like so a bunch I, of data and lore around, and you have to like go yeah, check it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, They're just like, oh, here's this name, and here's this name, and here's this situation, and I'm like, I, like none of this means anything to me because I literally turned on your game 30 seconds ago, and I don't, you know, I just, I just don't like that dropped into the deep end approach to storytelling. I yeah. don't care for that. Um, but you play some kind of a, I guess like a spirit or a, um, I don't know, some kind of an entity of some kind. And the universe is like falling apart and you've got to like, I don't know, someone get it back together or something. I'm not sure exactly. Um, but the combat is real time combat. And it just felt like right off the bat felt really clunky. Um, there's not a lot of animation. I felt like the animations could have been a lot more smooth and natural. Uh, but you're kind of doing like an up, left, down, right sort of animation. Um, and just kind of these quick little jabs with your claws. You're like a skeleton person, I guess. Skeleton kind of thing. You're scratching people with your claws. Um, and it just, the dashing felt kind of clunky. The combat felt kind of clunky. I didn't understand the story cause it was too much at once. And I, you know, I just start playing it and then you get into the pause menu and there's like a million things to like upgrade and tweak. And it was just like a lot, dude. Like I was like, I don't, I don't have my footing in this game. I don't really understand what I'm doing. Um, and then right off the bat, it's like, Oh, collect these materials. And there's all this stuff to upgrade and tweak. And I just, I was like, I just, mm. I need to get into a game like, in a, in a welcoming handholdy sort of way, or maybe handholdy is not the right word because people associate really negative stuff with handholdy. But I mean, like welcome me into your game, like give me a little bit at a time. Let me feel comfortable before you give me more elements and let me, you know, let me kind of like slowly warm up to this. Uh, but that's not the approach this game takes. And I just didn't really care for it. I, 
I felt like the combat really quickly was kind of clunky. Uh, like when you use a, like a life potion, for example. In order to use a life potion, unlike every other game in existence where you just push a button, use a potion, you, you push the button, you drop the potion in front of you, and then you have to hit the potion. But if another monster hits the potion first, they get the potion. Oh, I don't like, like that at all. I don't like that yeah. at all. <laughs> that made me angry for you. I didn't care for it either. And I'm like, okay, so I just... I bounced off this one really quickly. It The graphics were kind of cool in screenshots, and that's really what got me interested. But uh, lore and the story didn't grab me. The controls didn't grab me. The systems didn't grab me. It just was a very unwelcoming experience, and I just I just wasn't here for it. So well, I bounced out of that real quick. This podcast really helps me as well Like when I'm thinking about what games to play because I looked at that for half a second, and I'm glad I just went right on by it because that doesn't sound good to me. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of really, really good roguelikes out there. Uh, right now and this is you know there's no reason to pick this one because there's a lot of better ones out there um on the other end of the spectrum of the enjoyment spectrum is shepo s-h-e-e-p-o um i think it's a really poorly named game i wish they had picked something else is it about sheep no it's not actually then they've they've already Uh, messed up (laughs) it's literally called Um, shepo I know it's really it's a bad name because it tells you nothing about it and you don't even really understand. And you're OK. So this is a 2D Metroidvania platformer. Um, it has very pleasing graphics. The colors are like kind of pastel. They're warm colors. Uh, the lines in the game are really pleasing. Like it just looks like a very warm, approachable, f- pleasant to look at game. Uh, and you play a main character. Now, you are, I guess, a sheep thing. And I guess that's why they call it Sheepo. But you don't look like a sheep to me. You look like a little bipedal alien. Like, I mean, I guess maybe your chest is a little bit wooly looking, but honestly, if you had asked me what your character looked like, I don't think sheep would have been in my top 50 guesses. Mm. So I don't know why they went with sheepo. But anyway, the point of the story is you are some kind of space person and you are trying to stop species from going extinct. So you get dropped off on this planet and you have to collect the eggs of these different species to save them. Uh, because of ecological collapse. So you jump down to the planet, and the the platforming is pretty good. Jumping feels pretty good. The weight of it feels pretty good. The the controls are pretty crisp. Um, you do a lot of platforming, a lot of like uh, double jumping, or like you know a lot of the combos where you like jump, double jump, and then do like a wall jump or something like that. It's pretty good. It feels pretty good to play. So I like that a lot. The only complaint I had about that was sometimes you can get in that situation. I don't know if you ever had this happen to you where you jump and you feel like you've maybe jumped a little bit too much. So you try to course correct, but then you course correct too much the other way. Oh yeah. And then you end up like going back and forth. You're like, wait, 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 this is too much jumping. I got to stop. But you're like in the middle of like correcting and overcorrecting, And it's hard to just like stop exactly where you want to stop. You know what I mean? Yeah. That happens to me when I'm wall jumping. I feel like the wall jumping can be a little bit more calm, but overall it feels really good. Like that's not really a big knock. I feel like this is a fun game to play in terms of how it feels. Um, it's combat free, which I think is interesting, although there is combat in the sense that there are monsters to avoid and there's there's bosses. But most of the bosses are either you're dodging their attacks or you're turning their attacks against them. So you don't really have weapons. You don't have like combos or anything like you're just kind of cleverly trying to figure out how to navigate these encounters. Um, but I, I think it's fair to say that it's kind of a combat free experience most of the time. And the real trick to this game is that once you find an egg of, I think there's like six different species. Once you find an egg, you can transform into that creature for limited amounts of time. So the very first one you get is like a a bird of some kind. So you get the bird egg. 
once you get that power unlock you walk around you see a bird on the screen you jump up touch the bird you can become the bird and then it opens up like all the levels that are above you like you can fly up all of a sudden you can mm, fly it across gaps that you couldn't get to and stuff like that so the shape-shifting element i think is pretty well done and interesting and there's a good map map functions real good feels good to play looks good so um i'm not super far into it i just started this morning but so far i really like it a lot and if you are looking for a good metroidvania to play on the switch which is where i'm playing it i think it's a i think it's a really nice one yeah the steam calls it metroidvania platformer like you said it's just platforming it's kind of running and avoiding things yeah exactly a lot of platforming so definitely like you know bring your platform skills but if you like those kind of games i think this is pretty good like it's a shame they named it shipo because i i feel like it's just it's just not a name that really leaps out at you, right? It's easy to ignore a name like that, but I think it's really it's a good piece of work. Yeah, because also um, you do change into all these different you know animals, so it could be like yep. Animalo or something. But um, also, it's made by one person. It seems like Kyle Thompson. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Wow, good job, Kyle. Yeah, that's what it says. Developer publisher Kyle Thompson, and you should check it out. Yeah, and Steam is only six bucks. It's probably cheap on. Oh, Switch. totally worth it. Yeah, six bucks. Absolutely. That's that's a that's a gosh yes yes that's a gosh yes get it all right cool all right sheepo there we go carlos back to you for something called radiohead which i have literally no idea what this is about and i'm assuming you're not talking about the music oh i am talking about the band you are yes i thought you knew that when i told you pre-show no i had no idea that's what you were talking about. that's why the second part of it is called kid a amnesia because it's based oh. on their albums Okay, dude. Okay, so I had no idea what you were talking about. Uh, I mean, I know what those albums are named, but I didn't realize that you were stringing all those things together. Okay, okay, that makes total sense. I did now. a probably poor job of it. Okay, but that's fine. I got. Okay, I'm on the same track as you are. Now we're on the same page. Um, this is so cool, and I want more bands to do it. Holy crap! I want more bands to do it. Um, if you take away one in quotes game from this episode that I'm like super pumped on, it's this. Because if you like Radiohead, you know, keep listening. If you don't. It's still really cool sonically. You know, it's a beautiful um, uh, collection of, of songs from the records. But what it is is, it, and it really does feel like it's in virtual reality, but it's a first-person walking experience. You know, they say walking simulator, whatever you want to call it. And there's no combat. There's no running and jumping. Um, but there is moving, and you do move kind of in diff- at different paces at different times of the experience. But what you do is you start off by literally walking up to like a very thin hallway. It's like weirdly thin. And inside that the hallway, you start seeing the records go by. And then you go into the experience where it is kind of a choose your own adventure. You pick which kind of area you want to walk into. And when you do, certain areas just start up like experiences. So one door was, hey, in this door, there's three songs. That's all it says, you know. And you go into the door and then you... One of the songs starts, uh, How to Dis- Disappear Completely, probably. I think it's the first one. And you just are part of an experience. I turned off all the lights. It's you, it's recommended, all lights off. And you're just in this really weird, like, painting. And as the song's going, and, like, almost perfectly in timed with everything, you kind of go into the painting and come out through pixels. And even when you're moving through the pixels, I feel like the pixels are moving at times with the song. Um, it's incredible. And there's nothing else out there like this. Like, especially if you're like, uh, tied to the music, like you like Radiohead, right? A little bit. 
Uh, I don't think I do, no. Oh, wow. We're enemies now. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> we're enemies for a few reasons, but that's one of them. But it, it, take any other band you do like, right? And just imagine being in this kind of first-person experience without having to worry about dying or jumping or shooting. You're just moving in yourself around this environment. Another uh, thing that happened after kind of a song ends, it'll just kind of put you into a new space. And one of the spaces was like really weird creatures. And again, you're first person. It's very good graphics. So you can like walk around and see the creatures up close or walk away from them, you know, and see kind of a, a bird's eye view. And so it just lets you experience these kind of like moving things that are happening with the songs. Um, you know what this sounds like to me, dude? This totally sounds like a a a triple a version of all the concerts that Fortnite does this sounds exactly like a Fortnite. oh concert. really yeah yeah well i think the difference is and i've seen some of the concert footage from like travis scott and um ariana grande and stuff sure 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 there's like obviously the biggest difference is in that you're like doing like the backpack dance and like almost mocking the moment you know and what's beautiful about this and that's why i want more bands to do this is you can't do anything else right the only thing you can do is change the perspective so yes, I think that there's a similarity there. Like there, are, you guys are all having like um, a shared experience. Yeah, and, but like visuals tied, like you know, abstract visuals, or they kind of take you through like a like a synesthesia sort of a, sort of experience. It kind of sounds like what you're describing, but in a more controlled way. It's a controlled way. Yeah, I think that's what it was, especially because it Radiohead is very uh you know experimental and sonic and just like this really beautiful. Uh, I think it's beautiful uh, landscape of sound. And so then at some point when you like are finished with things, you'll go to like just like a waiting room. And I was walking around. I saw these little creatures. Uh, it feels very David Lynch too. this particular experience. There's these little creatures just like mopping up, you know, <laughs> like cleaning the floors. And you, you take your time and you can like look at artwork. And there's all these like, you know, alternate paintings that are supposed to be covers of albums. Uh, for a super fan, it's like amazing. Uh, and yeah, that's that's what the thing is. I haven't there is an end to it, and I didn't want to end it, you know. So I did that thing, which is classic for this podcast. I paused it, and I'm gonna go back to it. But in the very beginning, it says this isn't a video game, but there is a beginning, so that means there must be an end. And I thought that was a really cool way to explain it. Um, is this on PC or where are you playing this? P PlayStation. PlayStation. Oh, really? on PS5? Yeah. Is and, it a free thing, or you gotta buy it? It was a free thing. And I think, I mean, they could have charged me. I would have actually, for fans, I think they would have, you know, paid for it. But it might be on Xbox too. We should look it up. Um, but how, what an awesome experience. Uh, huh, interesting. Okay. I mean, I, I'm not a big uh, Radiohead guy, but like the presentation and what you're describing sounds like it's worth a look. Oh, I mean, it's more than worth a look. Even if you don't like the, the, the music, really, literally, because it is this kind of, we just, I want more of these. Like, I think that uh, if you pick any other, it could be for Ariana Grande. It could be for any artist that you're into. It, this kind of experience is different than, like I said, having an avatar running around doing things. It's like, no, no, no. You're getting more of like what the artist wanted to present to you. Uh, and I think that's really great if you like the artist. So, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds neat. So this is one of my favorite experiences like of the year. I'm putting it down as that because I love the band and to be able to go through and see something that they presented to me, you know, in the way that they wanted to. Just really awesome. So I hope more oh. of these uh, exist at some point. Right on. Right on. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's keep the uh, momentum going with you here, sir. Um, moving on from Radiohead, you said that you went back to Outriders, the Square <laughs> Enix sort of a third-person 
kind of RPG-ish, action-y sort of a thing. I, I played it for a minute and didn't really click with me, but I know that you put a lot of time into it. And then um, I, I guess what, some new DLC came out for it? Or what, what drove you back to Outriders? Yeah, I think uh, last episode I mentioned the DLC. New Horizon is what it's called, I believe. New Horizons. Um, and again, this game is, it's kind of like a looter shooter, but mainly you can do the whole game single player. So, you know, it's a game where you definitely, I think a ton of people are playing it multiplayer and going in and doing missions together. Uh, I am obviously the single player person and the, the sci-fi RPG-ness of it is gone for me now because that was when you are doing the story and it has kind of a Mass Effect story and I beat that already. So this is all end game content. You know, think Destiny or something, right? You're just going in, getting loot, and leveling up. Um, and there's some different environments. So this DLC brings, like, new maps and stuff. Uh, normally, I don't care about, again, new maps and getting loot. But there's two things about this game that's, that brought me back. One, uh, you know, we talked about this on the show before. When you get a game that you're really good at mechanically, you know, you figured out the shooting, you know how to do headshots or whatever, it's, it's, it's addictive, right? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, I want to play more of this. That's why I'm playing Far Cry, and I'll be talking about Far Cry later this episode. Yeah, when something clicks, you want to just dive into it, keep doing it. For you just sure. want to keep doing it. Yeah. And it, and and also, if you're good at it. And we've talked about before as well that I'm not like an awesome shooter, but we've got a title this episode, Carlos is Good at Shooting, um, because <laughs> after doing Outriders, which is probably some of the toughest like uh, experiences I've ever been in games ever... Like with when it comes to swarms of enemies and stuff like that, and they they expect you to do all these missions with with another person, and I'm single player doing them, I'm just like excellent at this game, like <laughs> insanely good to survive what they're throwing at me, and I'm gonna show you a video clip later, and we'll put it on like I don't know clip or something in the notes, and it's just nuts when I look back at it. I'm like, how did I even do that? Um, so back to the DLC. There's ma there's new maps, and some of them are like you know different locations. And it does change up that idea that I like this mechanic, but now I want to play it in a different, you know, scenario. I'm in the snow now, and there's spiders. Um, by the way, that spider one was so intense. I was fighting a giant spider with a million other spiders that all exploded like bombs that were coming at me all the time. It was a nightmare. And I beat it. <laughs> I beat that motherfucking thing, dude. I was like, I can't believe it. I was sweating, but I, like, did it. So... So that's the reason is there's more DLC, there's more, you know, more locations. I wouldn't say that they said that they improved the loot drop system. I don't think they mm. did because oh, okay. um, I like got purple items, which are like the most rare. And like rarely did I get, ooh, pun intended, uh, get things that were like much better than what I had. So I call bullshit on that. If they said they improved the loot system, I'm like at the top of this fucking game. You know, like I know... I played every single fucking thing in it, and maybe you've already got all the best stuff already. I might play it so long. Maybe I'm actually, you maxed out. Yeah, I might. But there's like about um, there's a tier system in this other part of the DLC, which is these um, what are they called? Uh, drop ship things. Where like you know what are those things called? Not drop pods, like drop, drop pods. pods. Yeah, and there's a tier system, and I won't bore you with it because it's very, it's almost like mathematically nerdy, you know, when it comes to shooting and stuff, but. There's a system where uh, when you clear out different little um, maps, then you get to go up a tier. And then when you get to the top tier, you can fight a boss. So actually, what I'm, that's what I'm working towards. And if I beat that boss, we've got to give me a trophy. 
because I can't even believe I'm beating certain like sections of this game. I mean, I don't have any trophies, but I could maybe give you a cupcake. I will take a cupcake. Okay, there we go. Um, and I know people are listening, going like, <laughs> "Fuck you!" Everyone like, there's so many good people good at shooting. I'm not, and so I just feel like really proud of myself because I'm. Yeah, it's there's something to this game that keeps me in it. You know, some sort of addictive property. Um, so for all of its like not amazing story, and um, I don't think the loot system is is that good yet. Still, there's something there. There's something really cool there. Oh, right on. Well, you know, you got to take your victories where you can find them. I mean, in this dark, depressing world we live in, if this is bringing you even one little bit of joy, I say go for it, man. So if you're clicking with it, I say I say keep on playing. Well, that's it. It's like this kind of thing you can go back to, like, um, yeah, something you're good at, and you it, it just fills that little void, some sort of kind of like missions. You do missions, you get, lo- you get loot, you get experience points. Um, but yeah, I will have to show you some of this because it's hard to explain it, but... Um, this is the last thing I'll say about it. The mechanics are three abilities you have. So you're not just shooting, but you're using your three abilities. And they have cooldowns. Um, I don't know what other game you play that are, that's like that. Can you think of one? I mean, not off the top of my head, but I know that's a pretty common system. I know there's there's that's definitely been done before, for sure. Right. So, but the, 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 the magic is in using them at the right time. So the example is this. I have a, a ground pound, and that, you know, smashes things in front of me. So monsters are coming in waves, remember? Tons of fucking monsters. I use that. Then I shoot a little bit. Make sure I can take out a couple people because this is those games like Doom where you have to attack first. You can't defend for shit. You just have to go at it, you know? Okay. Which, again, I'm not good at, but I am in this game. So I take out a a bunch of people to get me my life back, and then I use my other one, which is I float above in the air, and I pick a target, and I go at it and attack it which gets me across the map. So now people can't hit me because I'm mobile. I'm over here on the other side of the map. And then the other one is uh, armor. So then you put the armor on and then I'm waiting for all the cooldowns to go down now that my ground and pound's back. So I'm already using my ground and pound as I'm putting my third one on and then I'm shooting. That's sure, what sure. I do, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying, you know, I mean, I totally get what you're describing and I was trying to think of, there was, oh man, I can't even remember. There was a game that was kind of like that where it was like, you know, you'd be doing melee and then by the time you used up your combo, like your gun would be ready, you shoot a little bit, and then by right. the time your gun was overheating, you go back to the melee. Yeah, I, I mean that's a good that's a good trick when developers do it. it. Gives you it constantly changes things up. It kind of gives you something to do. You're kind of managing something, but it's not too much. Kind of keeps it from feeling a button masher. I get you. It's it's like it's done. It must be done perfectly because I keep going back to it. Yeah, because there's there is a, like you said melee. There is one melee button, which is a, you know unfortunately that right click on the controller. You click in the analog. But you do that, like, and then so you're doing like seven or eight things all the time, and it's tiring, you know, because after like these huge waves or whatever. But it's also super satisfying. So, anyone who likes those types of games and probably are better at shooting than I am, um, I think you should go back and give Outriders a chance because it's like got its hooks in me. Right on, right on. Uh, is that on Game Pass? I think it might be. It's still on Game Pass. Yeah, I think that's because I originally played it when it first came out. I think it launched on Game Pass. I want to say. And it, yeah, I think it did. I think it did. And they haven't pulled it yet. So I was like, ooh, good. I don't have to spend any more money. I can just jump back in. There you go. There you go. All right, cool. That sounds uh, like it's worth a revisit for anybody there who wants to jump back in. Um, let me talk for a minute about a very unusual game called Next Space Rebels. Uh, I believe that's also on Game Pass. I'm pretty sure. Yep, I Although, looked at it. If there's a game, you've I've looked at it. And I, I yes, I saw that on Game Pass. It is a really interesting one. Um, so I originally... Uh, 
took a look at this because of my son. My son loves Kerbal Space Program. Uh, I am I am not smart enough to play Kerbal Space Program, but he is actually really really good at it. And so I'm always looking out for like the next like rocket building game or space flight game or anything like that where you know not my jam but i look i look at those for him and this kind of caught my eye this is a really really interesting one uh, i watched over his shoulder as he was playing this and basically it's kind of like a kerbal space program game in that you are building rockets like you get these components to like put together a rocket um you play as as a person a real person on earth uh and it looks like you're in london from like the graphics i can I can gather. I mean, you may not be in London. I don't know exactly where it is, but it looks like you're in London to me. Anyway, uh, you put these rockets together in your garage and the interface for it is really strange. Um, I'm used to the really technical stuff like in Kerbal where you're like balancing weight and you got these little connection points and there's all this like little engineering aspects to it. But in this one, it's almost like a drawing. Like it's almost like you have these rough outlines of shapes and you just kind of like easily stick them together in a really, really simple way. And then it poof, like becomes like a 3D rocket, um, kind of like the rockets that you I don't know if you ever did this when you were a kid, Carlos, or maybe, you know, now. Um, but like, you know, those little model rockets like you buy in a model store where you you put them together. They're maybe like a foot two, three feet tall. And you have these little like a uh, chemical rocket booster things you stick in the bottom of them. You light them with a fuse and they just go, you know, shoosh, off in the oh, air yeah. and then have, a little, you know, those things. Well, I'm sorry. We're going on a tangent now. I was obsessed with them. Okay, so you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, well, just real quick mini story. My, me and my cousin, like, built a whole, like, you know, fake rocket station. And we were, like, super obsessed. And we bought all of them. And we went on many missions. And, yeah, I even, like, made, like, little stories up around them. They were so fun. They still exist. I think people can still do them. Oh, yeah, that's still definitely a thing. Like, we did so some a couple years ago. Yeah. Still a thing. So it's it's those kind of rockets that you're doing, right? So, like, you're putting those together. You go out and launch them. But the, the, the twist to this thing is that you're also trying to become like a YouTube influencer. Like it's part of the game where you do a rocket in your garage, you launch it. And then like, you like take a, like quote unquote, take a video of it and you upload it. And then you're talking to somebody else. Who's like, Oh, I saw your video. Yeah, it was all right, but you got to do like X, (sighs) Y, Z. And they start talking about like the quality of your videos. And then you start to see like the likes and stuff. And then somebody else, like a, like a more popular influencer, I think her name's like rocket girl or space girl or something like that. She's like, all right, we're going to do the rocket challenge and you got to do X, Y, Z to your rocket. And then, you know, it, it's just like, it's like watching YouTube, but you're the YouTube person and you're trying to like work your way up the ranks of the, of being an influencer at the same time that you're doing these like chemical engine model rockets. It's so, Weird. it's so strange, but it's really fascinating. I was just, I was really entranced by this and the approach and the presentation is really good. It's really cute and funny and i was able to appreciate it from like a meta perspective of like oh my god like i can't believe they're asking for likes and look at this video frame it looks like just like we're watching youtube or something like that uh but also the the rocket part of it seemed pretty cool too um my son just started it so we're not like super far but it seems really interesting um at least from that meta perspective and i believe it's on game pass you said it was right yeah it is that yeah i went right by it because again those menus looked really annoying to me and I was like, if it's just that kind of a game, I'm not a Kerbal Space Program person, you know? It is It is totally not at all that kind of game. Yeah. It just caught me by surprise. It's it's worth a hoot. I mean, it's like, just check it out and see the videos and the presentation and the cutting back and forth between the rockets and the YouTube interface. It's, it's really strange and unusual in an interesting way. So I say check it out. It's on Game Pass. You got nothing to lose. Uh, real, real quick, uh, that reminds me of YouTuber's Life. Did we ever talk about that on this show? 
I don't think we did, but I am aware of that game. I've never played it. Yet. Yeah, I haven't either. It's on Steam, but it's it's got that same thing where you're trying to like become a YouTube sensation in a game world. Uh, but in this one, you're doing rockets. What really interesting mix? I would have never thought that. It's really bizarre, but I got to say it was it was really interesting. So definitely check it out if you got Game Pass. It seems like a, a fun ride. Um, also, I believe on Game Pass, XO One is this on Game Pass? It Carlos? sure is, and I'm excited it to sure talk is. about it with you. All right. Well, you're. Oh man. Okay. This is gonna be a rough segment then. Oh uh, no. This is gonna be a rough segment. Are we enemies again? Probably. Probably. Jeez, uh, so XO One. I'll start off. You can chime in in a second here. Uh, I got this is a very strange one. Um, the the trailers look amazing. It's about. I don't even really exactly know what it's about. Like, there's some kind of a story where you play either like an alien craft or maybe you're like a probe of some kind or maybe humans created a probe with alien technology or like it's all kind of like told in like snippets and flashbacks and stuff and i gotta be honest i didn't understand the story very well uh but but the story aside you're in uh, you play like i don't know like a little silver ball or something and what you do is you're on a planet uh and you push one button to like quote unquote like increase your gravity so what happens is you like go rocketing towards the ground and the ground of every single planet is like a series of hills um you know what this reminded me of was tiny wings did you ever play tiny wings back on like iphone or something i did yeah i can see like the momentum and stuff like that happening yeah, yeah. tiny wings where you play a little bird where you gotta like you're trying to like hit the down slope of a hill and then catch momentum to go back up the hill to launch it's literally tiny wings but in 3d so you're this ball you drop you hit a, a hill increase your gravity, roll down the hill, then you let go of the gravity and it, you shoot up the slope of the next hill and you want to just like go as far as you can. And soon you unlock the ability to like flatten yourself out so that you're kind of a disc instead of a ball and you glide for a while. Um, and that's that's what you do. You like you, you roll down these hills, you bounce back up, you glide and you just keep repeating that. Um, the graphics are pretty cool. Like the, the extraterrestrial planetscapes are pretty neat, like the colors and the flashing lights and the the clouds and everything. It looks really cool. Um, but basically, you're just doing that. You're doing tiny wings in 3D. And every once in a while, you get like a little bit of a cutscene that is, to me, was confusing. Um, and you just do that. And it, it was, it looks cool. But man, I got to be honest, like it was putting me to sleep. I found it really boring after maybe like half an hour. I kept waiting for more to happen. And I wanted to do something else or like I was hoping to be a little bit more complexity to it and i just i got really really bored i got to i think the third planet and i'm like i'm just doing the same thing over and over and over and i lost interest completely well just to to kind of uh, clarify it, the whole story is supposed to be uh confusing it's like a mystery and uh, also one person made this game as well so some more background uh and he spent five years on it so not to make Whoa, it feel bad okay that's um, a serious amount of time. I know. He spent five years on this and also one person, and I actually saw his, um, he posted on TikTok recently because I live on TikTok, and that was cool to see his stuff on TikTok kind of go viral. But yeah, so the story's supposed to be kind of almost like, um, I already referenced it earlier, but David Lynch, where it's like, yeah, it's not supposed to be, make sense at the beginning. You're like uncovering the story slowly. And it's kind of jarring and almost like a horror movie in a way. Yeah, it reminded me of Returnal a little bit. Yes, you yeah, fits yeah. And starts and you just don't understand it, and you're trying to piece it together. Very Returnal like, right? Which is fine. Like that's a good way to. I mean, that's an interesting, sure, different sure. way to tell a story. So yeah, oh, yeah, there's nothing really to be understood in the beginning. Um, and as you go through different planets, like you said, you get 
some lore bits, but a lot of it's about the experience. And where you were falling asleep, I was just like in love with the flow state that it gave me because that's what this game is. It's like Flower or any of those other games where, you know, there's not really a story there. It's more about the experience. I mean, totally valid that you didn't like have fun doing the experience. But um, like you said, you're a ball, but you're also like a flying thing. And what it seems like is you're controlling this alien ship that was created um, because humanity went to Jupiter and you know, met with some aliens at some point. Story doesn't, you know, flush out in the beginning. But the ball, you know, like you said, you increase gravity to to, to go faster, and then you kind of go up these ramps of, of mountains and hills. But what the interesting thing is, as, you, as you're flying, it does more of that tiny wings thing because it's like you can ride the jet streams. Yeah, um, yeah. Which actually send you, like, really far. And then there's, like, clouds, and you have, like, a certain amount of energy in your ball uh, or ship or whatever. And then you can kind of regain that energy. And then there's like a dive button. So once I got to the dive feature, uh, they slowly kind of, like you said earlier, handhold you and they start giving you new like abilities as you go. As you go. And the diving is really fun. And like, to me, it was just this fun, fluid movement of going through the clouds. And then when you finally, like, there's a different kind of hidden things um, in the maps, which you probably, I don't think you've got to maybe. And then there's also like these huge... Uh, beams of light on the map somewhere and you're kind of the goal is to get to that beam of light and that beam of light right. will send you to another planet um, yeah, i found some of those secret things they didn't really like impact me very much they didn't like do anything it just right, seemed right, like right. something to find yeah yeah but it's almost like again i kind of like surrendered to the experience of like not ever knowing what's going on but it was fun because it just was kind of jarring and almost like a scary movie where like oh i found something and it's doing some weird stuff on the screen um Again, not saying it makes sense, but uh, there's just a lot of... I think the environment's changed quite a bit because there's like uh, uh, jungly and some water stuff. Um, I, I don't know. I, for me, it was like a, a game like Flower, but with sci-fi element, and I kind of really like that a lot. I mean, it's blowing up on my Twitter feed. Every every um, you know art house critic in my feed is like in love with this game right now, which I respect. I mean, it looks really cool. Um, I had, you know, I had fun with it for like maybe 20, 30 minutes, but like I just... I literally just felt like I was doing the same thing over and over and over up and down the hill, make your way towards the beam of light. If you find something secret, go there, but it doesn't really mean anything. And I just, I got really tired of doing it. I just wanted to do something else. Like I wanted there to be more to it. And I just didn't think there was enough to it. And I, I feel, you know, I'm not trying to trash talk this guy who spent five years on it, but I just feel like, man, I just snore, dude, snore hardcore. Let me say one more thing about that. Cause it's kind of like to the idea of indie games as well is that I think that, you know, lots of times when you make a game, you're, you're finding the mechanic, right? And I, yeah. I bet you he found this mechanic, you know, five years ago, and he loved it. And I think a lot of the time, it seems like, was spent on graphical upgrades because, you know, prototyping this thing was probably just a, you know, one color ball on a white, you know, background. Um, I think the environments are awesome. And I think the little story bits that he added uh, make you want to at least keep going because then, you you know, get doled out some more bits. Uh, I know that we just went against that earlier and said like lore that's sprinkled out is not how we want to have a story told. But for some reason in this one, yeah, I, I don't know. I found the moment to moment gameplay relaxing enough to keep doing it. Um, but that said, I can see like it is only like for a few mechanics, you know? Yeah. Up and down, glide a little bit. I mean, it, different strokes for different folks. I, a lot of people really are into this one right now, which is totally cool for me. It literally put me to sleep. So 
I did not care for it that much, but I mean, you do, and that's cool, and that's why we do this podcast, man. Yeah. Perspectives. There you go. All right, XO One. Uh, let's kick it over to you, Carlos. The Far Cry Six DLC starring Voss, which I only know because you told me, because I don't know much about the Far Cry series in general. I know he's the super crazy dude from one of the earlier Far Cries. I didn't realize he was popular enough to be brought back in a DLC. Yeah, Far I Cry guess. Three. Yeah, he so, means super popular because of his. Uh, he has a lot of classic lines, and the voice actor is really awesome. But yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I did not know that, but I will trust you on that. So why don't you tell us about this new DLC? What's it all about? Well, this is interesting to you. So, um, because this is, this is really interesting. Uh, I didn't know what this was. I love Far Cry 6. We've talked about on the show before. I'm still playing it through the insurgencies and all the DLC. They're kind of slowly uh, doling out, which by the way, before I start talking about this DLC, um, there is a lot of free stuff, which they kind of just pepper throughout the map that you can do. And they just uh, opened a new map that is kind of based on some of the ideas of Far Cry 5. Because uh, in Far Cry 5, there was a cult. And in this uh, new map they opened up, it's kind of like a cult that's living there. So that, that was okay. really cool. And again, that's free. Just random free DLC they're, they're throwing out. Um, so while I'm already in, like we said before, the mechanics of this game, I'm loving how I, I play it well. You know, it's fun to play and explore. Voss, you know, if it was anything, it doesn't matter if it's like in the past or whatever, I was going to play it. But what they did, and I think it's probably the best experience I've had in this genre, is they made it a roguelike. Now, it's a first-person shooter roguelike. How many of them are there? Not many? First-person shooter roguelike? There are some. There's not many. That's not the most popular way to go, but there are some. Right. So... And again, you mix that together with a game I'm already, in quotes, good at, right? Then I'm like more, you know, uh, ready to try it. So um, you basically play as Vaz, and he is in his memories, right? He's inside his head. Let's just say that. And, and So uh, just to clarify really quickly. Yes. I mean, are we assuming, I don't know anything about this, but are we assuming that, so the Far Cry 6 world is the same world that Vaz lives in, so is this, or is this just like a random like fan service thing, or are they trying to like establish some kind of continuity between the games? No, I don't think there's going to be any continuity. To this, I mean, this, essentially, this guy's dead, and you're in his like, you know, head, like processing what his life was about. So it's like a memory. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. And I'm I'm guessing they'll probably do that with all the other two. Uh, although I don't know if there's certain endings where it's like. Uh, the other bosses in the other two games didn't die, you know, so maybe they are still alive. But in this one, it's very much like this person's going back through his his um, his life. Uh, but he's also like an asshole and like funny. So it's it's always fun to be in a, you know, play the bad guy and and hear his lines. So he's always like reacting to where he's in is like, what is going on over here? This is crazy, you know, which is fun. But yeah, the world is basically a very small island map with a lot of the same assets from Far Cry 6 but way different because it's a dream world, right? So there's like floating sharks and there's, um, I mean, it's beautiful. It's like messed up and beautiful and like, you know, things floating in the air and things that can't, can't be, you know? And there's also a day night cycle. So at nighttime ghosts come out because <laughs> reasons, <laughs> but actually, no, I, I, I knew you're laughing, but the reason I just remembered is because they're ghosts of people he killed. 
Okay. So there's, it's kind of funny. It's like, I guess, I guess riddle me this, um, Carlos. Yes. I guess if I, if I am a person who got into Far Cry 6 for, for whatever reason, but if I had not played Far Cry 3, where this guy's really from, will this mean anything to me? Like, do they introduce it? Or like, I guess it's weird to me that this guy who doesn't have anything to do with this game showed up because I guess he's popular with people who are fans of the series. But if you're not a series fan, I mean, this was like three or four games ago like like what is the context for people who are playing this dlc is it just introduces like hey there's this new mode whatever just go for it or is there kind of like a lead-in to it like is it does it really mean anything to people who don't know boss already yeah that's a great question i think that you know it's gonna mean a lot more to the people who know him and have played far cry 3 and love it which is a ton of people um sure i think you don't need to ha- have that experience because essentially they say hey this is an evil dude he did some crazy things you're going to wake up as him and now you're in this dream world and he's like processing his life. Easy to get, right? You get that. Sure. Um, so you don't need to know that stuff. And I, I can't even remember a lot of it. You know, like some, they, they really interestingly, parts of the map like play sound clips, I think, from the third game. And again, for people, fan service, they're like eating that shit up. But I can't remember a lot of those scenes. But it, okay. it doesn't matter. It's like I go, oh yeah, like Alan Wake or some other game. You're like, this is a weird moment, and I'm just like in this dreamland, you know. Um, right. And what's interesting though is the the, uh, the second reason, the real reason people need to play this, because uh, similar to I want more uh, exhibition games like uh, Radiohead, I want more roguelikes like this because um, a I'm good at it, made me feel good. <laughs> I'm good at this, you know, j- uh, selfishly. Uh, first person roguelikes, yeah, sign me up because like. I don't know. I don't feel as like, uh, you know, uh, handcuffed handcuffed or whatever. But also, again, I, I know this game really well and the, and the mechanics of it. So as you're playing, how is it a roguelike? Well, you essentially have to do this gargantuan list of things before you can get to the boss, which I'm sure you're very familiar with, with roguelikes. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Like collect things and get, you know, upgrade yourself and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. But again, I'm really good at the shooting. Uh, I'm like obsessed with this game. So I'm very good at all the shooting. I'm not really in trouble of dying. And so what I did is you upgrade yourself by getting money. And so any enemy you kill, you get money. It's not really about experience points. It's about getting money and cash. And you take the cash back to your like hub and upgrade yourself or you upgrade your weapons, which again happens in other roguelikes. But in a first person experience, it's really cool. Um, so I did that a few times and I basically just kept doing all the safe bets, like go out, kill some stuff, come back, upgrade. And I felt pretty good at where I was. Like you can upgrade your health, you know, tons of stuff. Um, and then I just started winning, you know, like I wasn't dying and I was like, holy shit, I know the experience is to die a bunch, but maybe I don't have to die. And then you have to get three different like, you know, silver shards or uh, pieces of a uh, a dagger. And then when you get all those, you go to the last section and fight the boss. Well, I'm here to tell you today, Brad Galloway, (laughs) that I played that game and I did not die and I beat it on the first run. On your very first run? The very first run. What that means is I spent time, I paused, I put the game away, I came back to it, I treated it like a Far Cry single player game and was smart and I'm good at this fucking game. And I would just like pause when I was tired or whatever. And then I would go back to it and I didn't fucking die. <laughs> that crazy. That's amazing. 
That's amazing. That's a pretty good feeling. So, I mean, you must, I mean, you granted, you must be very good at this game. I am very good. You must have really clicked into like the mechanics and stuff right away. And also the ability to pause is is very vital. I believe every roguelike should give you the ability to pause, walk away, come back. Yes, exactly. Seems like you took full advantage and you, you wrote it all the way to the end. That's awesome. Well, here's the other, okay. There's two more things that are great about this. Well, yeah, at least a couple. One, they do give you a lot of story elements. So again, for fan service, it's insane. Even if you don't know the the story, you're presented with, it's not just a, a fucking roguelike where you have to upgrade yourself. It's about telling a story, which I would love more roguelikes that do that. Um, slap me on the wrist if I'm speaking out of turn, but I don't feel like, like this one, there was a mansion, okay? And you went to a mansion and it literally was like a spooky horror like game all of a sudden. And there was no enemies, right? The whole section was no enemies. It was just learning more about the character. When you finished the, the, the thing, you got an upgrade or whatever, and you left. But the whole thing couldn't be failed. You know what I mean? It was just an experience. Yeah. And then you yeah. came out, yeah. and then you did roguelike stuff. But I love that about this. Like, that's another thing that brings you in. Because even if you don't, you know, you're, you're sad that you died and you lost some stuff, you know that you can go to another place and, like, learn more about the story. So why I bring this up is because I beat it, which again, crazy go nuts, and went back and I was like, well, is there anything I need to even do with this DLC anymore? Because I've seen the the ultimate end. And there is, because there's different locations I haven't went to. And when you go to those locations, there are a little more story bits. That's always the mark of a good roguelike is because the best roguelike designers will realize that people will beat that game, but they got to give you reason to come back, right? In case you get a lucky run, yeah, or maybe you finish early, there's got to be a reason to come back. And so a, a good roguelike will have those things, like unfolding story elements, more things to unlock, more things to discover, secret bosses. And it sounds like you found more content to keep mining, even though you did roll credits on it. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is the only negative is the rewards are, are shitty. Like, they're, they're really bad rewards for the main game. Because what you what it does is it brings over some stuff to the main game, which is the only continuation, I guess, right? Um, which is when you can like basically get some of Voss's equipment and mm-hmm. like his you know vest or boots or whatever, and then you you do certain achievements in the roguelike and you bring them to the main game. Um, those are all shitty. Like they're <laughs> they're like not good. Like all my characters, like so leveled up in Far Cry Six, none of them do anything for me. There's nothing like unique to it. Like it doesn't give you like a special power, like a double jump or a jetpack or anything crazy. Like no, that. and you know what's funny is that when you buy the DLC, you get some stuff automatically, oh, like okay. that that carry over, and so you don't even need to play the game, which is weird. Um, and the only thing that's interesting is there's like a little chibi, like a uh, bobblehead thing that you if you get certain things, you can bring that over, and he like talks or something. So mm. I, I just think they could have done a better job with the achievement uh, rewards. Uh, and I've talked to, to, in length about it, but it's incredible. It's like one of my favorite roguelike experiences. Uh, not just because I was really good at it, but it's because they offered up story elements. They had, like you said, pausing and a first person roguelike. I mean, if there's more of them, please send them to me, listeners. I'm going to try them. There's definitely more out there, um, for sure. I'll, we can get a list together. Or I'm sure people listening can maybe send us a list, or maybe we'll do a we'll do a hive mind uh, ask on Twitter. There is there's definitely not many, but there are some for sure. So, yeah, I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you clicked with it, man. It's so cool. I was like waiting for it for a long time, and I you know got the money together, and yeah, it's totally worth it. Excellent, excellent. All right, that sounds like a big thumbs up from Carlos. Uh, one more game to talk about, and then we're gonna bounce. Uh, let's keep the roguelike love going with Ooh. another roguelike. Uh, this is a not a first-person one, though. This is an isometric roguelike. It's called 
The Last Stand Aftermath. Uh, so this is a zombie-themed game. I think this one is fascinating. Spoiler, I really like this one a lot. So I feel like this is a very good one. And by the way, I um, saw the uh, artwork, because again, I scroll by every game, mm-hmm. and it looked very interesting, even though it was a roguelike. So you might turn me on this one. I don't know. I might be I mean. I think this is a really interesting one. I feel like this is, it kind of hits all the notes that I really like about games uh, lately. Uh, the premise, I think, to start with is fascinating. So in this in this game, uh, you play a, okay, so like you are a group of people surviving in a camp in the post-zombie apocalypse, right? But like supplies are dwindling, things are getting grim, and you have to send survivors out into the zombie wasteland in order to get, you know, like like metal and food and whatever you need. But only a small number of people are immune to the zombie virus. Those people, we're not going to risk those people. Those people stay back at camp because we need those people. Those people are important. <laughs> yeah. Who do we send out into the fucking wasteland? People who are already infected. Uh, of so, course. So there's a, that's where the roguelike element comes in, right? Like you start the game with like random Joe Blow. He's already infected. He's a quote unquote volunteer because he's already going to die. Mm. Nothing you can do about it. He's on his way out. So he's a good Samaritan and he's like, I want to help the, the, the colony as much as I can before I turn Z and he, they give him like um, a backpack of shit gun, you know, uh, whatever, like melee weapon or something. They let him use the one final car that they have. And he drives out into the city and his job is to like collect shit to send back to the camp. And he's going to die. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do about it. He's going to die. What happens is there's a little virus counter on the bottom of the screen. Um, if you get out, you can randomly find like little vials of antidote. And if you inject yourself with those, it buys you some time, but you're still going to die. Like there's, there's literally no other choice than to eventually die. But that's the cool thing about it is because you know, this is like a one way trip, right? So like you get out there, um, you, you collect food, you collect gasoline, you collect, you know, mechanical parts or whatever, you stick them in the car. And when you die, the people at the camp go back and get the car and bring the car back. So like you load the car up with stuff. The survivors get the car, bring it back to camp. And then the next run, there's another volunteer who's also infected, who's going to go out on another run. So that's how they narratively justify the roguelike aspect, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. I think it is so interesting and so cool. I really like that a lot. I like that they did that. You know, like they, yeah, they said this is why it's happening. Exactly, exactly. Um, I really like also the, a couple of the gameplay elements I think that are really cool about this. As you go out there as one of these infected survivors, the more zombie you get, you get zombie mutations. So like the closer you get to death, you kind of actually get stronger in a few ways. Like every time you drop down a level of disease, you'll get like three choices where it's like, oh, you now have zombie skin where you don't feel pain anymore and you take like 50% less damage or you uh, smell like a zombie, which means other zombies are like 50% less inclined to attack you. So your stealth rating goes like way up or you get, uh, I don't know, zombie endurance where you can carry stuff and you don't get tired. So like you, as you get sicker and sicker and less human, your life meter goes low. So you're going to die quickly. But while you are in that heightened danger state, you actually get like these zombie powers to kind of counteract it. So you can actually play for like a pretty long time as like a, as a 95% zombie, 5% human person. Mm. If you're really careful and you're using the zombie powers, like and you kind of leverage those, they cycle through They're roguelike. So like every time you get a new survivor, they get like, a different uh, selection of mutations and you can mix and match and pick and choose whichever ones you want. So it's a really interesting balance between having a lot of life and being able to take damage, but you have no powers and having very little life, but you've got like all these zombie powers. Um, so it's a really cool, like a uh, risk reward sort of a thing. I like that a lot. There are story bits that are peppered throughout. So like, as you go out in the world, 
you'll find weird anomalies and you'll radio back to headquarters and tell them about it. And they're like, oh, okay, this is really interesting. And they'll unlock a little bit uh, story as you get further and further along. Uh, the permanence, which I think is always really crucial in any good roguelike, is interesting because as you're going out in the world, you will find, quote unquote, like knowledge. You'll find textbooks, magazines, um, computer disks or whatever. If you get those and you're able to make it to a randomly generated radio tower, you can radio back to base and be like, hey, I found XYZ data and I found this report that like kind of leads towards like permanent upgrades for all the other survivors that come after you. So like if you get enough knowledge, you can be like, oh, I know how to wear my backpack differently so it feels a little bit lighter or I know I'm a little bit tougher now because I know how to eat better. And like those things transfer to over everybody. Right. So like by the time you're on your fifth or sixth survivor, like that dude is substantially tougher than the first guy that came because you're finding more and more upgrades as you go. So your survivability gets better as you keep playing the game, which is perfect. I think that's exactly how a good roguelike should go these days. Yeah, I was going to ask um, if there's like a good, uh, you know, uh, permanence or something to upgrades. Yeah, I dig the permanence in this game a lot. And I got to say, it feels really good to play. It's not a AAA game. A little bit buggy. There's a little bit, you know, a little bit of jank here and there. It seems like a small team. But I really think the combat feels good. The melee feels good. Uh, the zombies are the kind of zombie where they have poor eyesight, but they have good hearing. And so stealthy uh, is a good approach. Um, you're constantly like going in these levels. And I like the level design a lot, too. They they feel kind of like um, uh, large hallways in that there's like a road. There's buildings. There's like maybe a backyard to a couple places. But it's not huge, right? It's not an open world. You don't feel like you're getting lost. It feels like a very focused. I need to get into this small zone. I need to really quickly find the supplies. I need to not get killed by the zombies. If I fight, I want to fight in a place that's good to fight. I don't want to get caught out in the open. And so you're constantly managing your environment. But the environments are small enough to where you don't feel like you're just drowning. Like it feels like very contained, very manageable, really good bite-sized space. And after you clear out one location, if you have enough gas in your car, you drive to the next location, find some more supplies, find a next story beat, and keep going as long as you can with that one survivor. And you're eventually going to die. It's just going to happen. Just get over it. Once that person dies, the human uh, immune people salvage the car bring all your shit back and you go out and do it again i think this is a fucking fascinating roguelike mm. i think everything about it is super cool i'm like really into it i feel like it's great stuff i love all the decisions that are happening here i have some uh additional information that's going to make you either like it more or the same um, is it spoiler stuff or no no not at all um okay, so i looked it up and it's actually based on some early flash games um, oh really yeah okay. so remember those games on congregate like a lot oh, of yeah. flash games way back. Yeah. Yep. So armor game studios put out those originals. And if you look at some of the artwork, um, it's similar in the fact that it's more like one screen, but it's still a guy like shooting a bunch of zombies. So I guess it's based on that. Okay. And the publisher is armor game studios who made the originals. And then the developers listed as con artist games. So I guess someone's working on it for them to basically bring their original, old school flash game to life cool i mean they did a good job so far i'm into it yeah i mean that's i don't know if we heard that story many times we're like you know a flash game that a lot of people like liked and played but then brought into like 3d realm or your first person game i mean it sounds like there's a story here i wonder if this is like maybe one of the fans really fell in love with it and started like building up this game to make it something better i mean i cool if so i don't really know the story but um, I, I never played the original Flash version, but what they've got here so far is great. I love it. Yeah, it's Con Artist Games, and they um, I don't know if they're either from Armor Games or they're fans, like you said, but it's a story rabbit holder for someone to go down. But anyway, I decided to check to uh, share that information. But it looks really cool. It does look like, I love the 
the look of it and the fact that it does seem like it makes sense with the story. I like when roguelikes do that. It's like, of course, yeah. these people are going to die, so they're going to go out, and then you're going to get upgrades, and it sounds like the permanence is good, so... Yay. Yeah, it's good, too, for, like, you know, like, I do one run a night, right? Like, I get one new survivor a night, I get as far as I can go, I die, and I just, like, I move on to something else. Like, you can play 15, 20 minutes if you have, you know, an okay run. If you get a really good run, you can be alive for, like, maybe, like, 45 minutes, or sometimes you get a bad run, it's, like, 10 minutes, and then you just... Yeah. Put it aside, come back to it, get a new survivor the next day. It, it keeps it keeps itself fresh. I really dig it. Or you have a run like I did and it goes for several days and then you just <laughs> win. Uh, I love those runs when that happens. It's pretty rare, but it does happen once in a while. Dude, I was so. at the boss and I was like, there's no way I'm dying. I was like, I just told myself, let's talk about manifestation. I was like, there's no way I'm going back. There was so much to do because it, it's almost like, not to talk about it again, but. There is so much to do because it's a first-person game across a huge open world, you know? Like, think about yeah, that. Yeah. And then do that again. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not doing this again. So it's almost like I put my foot in the ground or my flag in the ground or something and said, I'm not going back. Put your flag in your foot. What did I do? <laughs> put your flag in your foot. I put my flag in my foot in the ground. And I was like, the- <laughs> I'm beating you this time around. There's no way. Anywho, that sounds anyway. great. Last anyway, stand. The Last Stand Aftermath. Big thumbs up if you like zombie games, if you like roguelikes. It's a really cool one. Very interesting. I think it's probably going for a bargain price, too, last time I checked. So anyway, thumbs up on that. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you all for listening. That is it for this episode. Uh, as per usual, we'd love to get your questions and comments. Hit us up, SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at SoVideoGames. We're on TikTok, SoVideoGamesPodcast. But you can also reach us individually. Carlos, where are we directing your traffic this week? Uh, TikTok is Carlos Rodella, my name. Uh, that's it. And also I'm on Instagram too. Um, I've changed it. I know I'm an idiot. I keep changing my name. But I'm going to keep it this now. It's called Carlos Rodella Comedy on Instagram. Sorry. Okay. Change it. There again. we go. There you go. Uh, and as for me, it's my same old stuff, which never changes. It's my name. B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. You can look me up on Twitter. You can look me up on Instagram. Either way. And now that that's uh, said out loud, I think that's going to do it for episode 260. Thanks again to everybody for joining us here at So Video Games, and we will see you next Friday. But in the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. Bye from Carlos. That's it. 